Welcome to Lady Sculpt Lifestyle, the podcast that encourages, educates, and empowers you to elevate your life and create your dream body. And now, here is your host, Lady Sculpt's boss coach and WNBF figure pro, Lilas Leona. Hey, hey, ladies. How are you doing this week? I am sitting here recording this podcast on Saturday morning in my pajamas, just to give you a visual. (laughs) My household has been sick this week. I started to feel better midweek. I'd even say as early, like I started to feel that last weekend I was sick. And then I started to feel better Monday. My husband came down with it and dudes get sick so much worse (laughs) than us ladies do. Can you agree with me here, ladies? When your man gets sick, it's like times 10. (laughs) So we've been feeling it in the household this week. So we're taking it easy. We're taking it easy this weekend. And I just decided that I was going to step into my office this morning and record episode number 20 for y'all. I am going to warn you, This may be a long-winded podcast. We're going to talk about sugar, y'all. How to eliminate sugar. I have a very long history with sugar, and we're going to talk about it. I'm going to share my story and my experiences with you, and I'm going to give you some tools and maybe some insight into why you may have the sweet tooth that you do and the best way to go about curbing that sweet tooth. You may not want to eliminate sugar completely. We all need a little bit of sugar in our life, but the way that our culture is currently eating sugar, the way the North American culture is serving us sugar is excessive to say the least. I couldn't believe it. Actually, I walked into a grocery store recently, just my local grocery store. And the first thing that was in the store on my left-hand side were these buckets of gummy candies. Like not just like little two cup serving cups, which are still a huge amount of sugar, but these are like ice cream buckets of candy. And it just blew my mind that that's what's available to us now. So anyway, I could go down that road for a long time, but let's start off with, if you have a sweet tooth, you are not alone. According to the Googles, three out of every four adults consume too much sugar. That's 75%. So I want to talk a little bit about why we consume so much sugar. There's a couple of different reasons that I know of that really resonate with me and help me to control my sweet tooth. So I wanted to pass them on to you. The first one is our neuro need, our neurological addiction to sugar. So sugar is very similar to other things we get addicted to, like narcotics and video games and porn. It creates a couple different neurotransmitters in our brain. So the first is when we think about sugar, our body releases endorphins. Endorphins are neurotransmitters that increase our pleasure and feel-good sensations, and they decrease 
our pain and discomfort. So when we think about sugar, or even like flour, baked goods, pastries, dense carbohydrates, uh, some people go to breads, pastas, these kinds of things. It's the exact same response. It's concentrated carbohydrate that's creating this like explosion of endorphins and dopamine, which I'm going to get to in just a minute, in our brain, the same way that cocaine would. So of course, when we're having a moment where we you know, are feeling a little low, or we're feeling down, or tired, or stressed, or any of those negative emotions, our brain is just trying to be helpful. It's like, hey, yo, I can make you feel better. Grab some sugar. or a bagel. It'll help because that's exactly what our brain thinks will help because it releases that pleasure feel good sensation and it decreases the pain or discomfort, even emotional pain or discomfort. So for me particularly, I'm very sensitive to the feeling of boredom. My brain does not like to be bored. So whenever I have a moment where my brain gets bored, it's like, hey, yo, Let's grab some sugar. And this would come across to me as a sugar craving. My brain would be like, oh, did you know there's M&Ms hidden in that box in the corner? Do you remember? Do you know that there's honey in the cupboard? Like anything that has sugar in it, my brain will remind me that it is in the house. Have you experienced this? Right? I have clients who come to me and they're like, Lilas, I just want my brain to stop talking to me about sugar. I want it to not remind me of all of the sugar that's at the grocery store and the corner store and in the kitchen cupboards. Our brains are kind of programmed to do that because it is a relatively easy pain decreaser. And in this day and age, our brains have become so sensitized to pain because we're not used to experiencing pain the same way we used to. Now it's painful for us to read a negative piece of news. It's painful for us to feel discomfort in any way. So of course, the brain desire for sugar is increasing as our pain threshold decreases, right? So let's talk about dopamine, which is the other neurotransmitter here that kind of helps out in this circle of sugar addiction. So dopamine is a neurotransmitter hormone that is a mood booster. It is released when a goal is achieved, for the most part. You can have a dopamine sensation or a dopamine release ahead of time as well. When we're thinking about a goal or thinking about achieving a goal, right? That feel good, I'm going to achieve this. It's going to be amazing. And then when you do achieve it, it is amazing. And you get that dopamine hit. Now, I want you to think about video games and the addiction that we get to (laughs) those stupid little video games on our phone that have those really short, easy wins at the beginning. And as you get through the levels, they get more and more challenging. These games are completely created by people taking advantage of our dopamine release triggers. So every time we win one of those games, we get a hit of dopamine. So they're designed to give us these really fast hits of dopamine at the beginning and create an addictive response. Okay. So I want you to think of the troublesome loop here that this can cause. You can be feeling low for a variety of different reasons. 
boredom, tired, stress, sadness, loneliness, just even like melancholy. And your brain is going to be like, this is uncomfortable. I would like to feel better. We need some pleasure. We need to feel good. And it's like, oh, I know how to do this. We can feel better by having this. And then our brain's going to send us thoughts. Let's go grab some Starbucks. Let's go get a cookie. Let's go grab a bag of five cent candies. Let's have a peanut butter and honey sandwich. (laughs) Your brain is super smart. It might even sound really convincing. Oh, you forgot lunch. Your blood sugar is probably low. You need this. And then what happens is you have the sugar or you have the dense carbohydrate and your brain then pushes out this dopamine response because it has achieved its goal of feeling better. All of a sudden there's endorphins and it has increased its pleasure source. It feels better. And now all of a sudden there's dopamine because the goal has been achieved. And then what happens? Often, especially if you're trying to lose weight or if you're trying to live a healthier lifestyle, you're trying to kick sugar, you feel guilty about it. Maybe a little bit of shame, maybe discouragement. And that feels uncomfortable. That feels bad. So your brain's like, oh, we need to feel better again. (laughs) I know how to do that. Let's grab another cookie. This is why it's so hard to have just one cookie, right? When you have a cookie box in your cupboard and you feel low and you have a cookie, you end up having another cookie and then another cookie and then the box, right? This is why for some of us who have sugar addiction, I'm included here, I'm raising my hand, it's easier to just not keep sugar in the house, period. Because that is a pretty vicious loop to get sucked into. And it is, it's an addiction. I have clients who are like, I just want to be able to keep cookie dough in my freezer or keep fruit roll-ups for my kids in the cupboard. And I get that. But it's also like someone who's recovering from alcoholism, just wanting to keep a couple bottles of alcohol in the cupboard for special occasion or for company, right? It's not a great idea. And there is absolutely tools I'm going to share with you in ways that you can manage your mind to get to the point where you can, especially keep certain things in the house without an issue, but know that your brain is always going to point those things out to you when you are having a moment of weakness or a moment of despair or a moment of discomfort. Your brain's going to be like, I know how to make you feel better. And it's up to you to be able to recognize that old neural pathway and block it off. And I'm going to help teach you guys how to do that. Once our brain has created a neural pathway to easy pleasure using sugar and carbohydrates, it's going to keep offering it to you often. Even after you've spent months and months working to eliminate sugar. In the transformation program, we spend 16 weeks really mindfully watching our sugar intake, really mindfully watching our carbohydrate intake. Very often I can help people pull themselves off sugar, eliminate sugar in that process. But I remind that group in their last week, I think it's actually week 15, it's a week called Old Habits Die Hard, that those neural pathways of instant pleasure, instant gratification are still there. They're available to them at any point, And it's up to them to keep choosing other ways to seek pleasure, other ways to create endorphin and dopamine responses rather than through food. 
We're going to talk about that a little bit later. I want to talk about a second form of sugar addiction, a second form of sugar excessive consumption. And if you're feeling like your sugar cravings are more than a little bit mental, and what this means is if you're having an addiction to the dopamine and the endorphin, the neurotransmitter effects of sugar, you're going to notice that the cravings come up for you and that you have a bit of control over your response to them. You have a bit of time there. You can think about it a little bit. Maybe you can opt to do something else that creates that response. You're going to feel like you're still semi in control. But if you feel like your sugar cravings are out of your control, if you feel like there is a sugar monster living inside of you, there might be. I'm going to introduce you to candida yeast. Candida yeast overgrowth is something that we're seeing, I would like to call it an epidemic. Uh, It's becoming increasingly more common, especially in our younger generations, which is so sad. And this is a little bit above and beyond what a normal nutrition coach would talk about. This goes into more naturopathic medicine, but I think it's really important to shed some light on this growing area of concern. So candida yeast are microorganisms that live on every human body. We have a little bit of candida yeast that helps us digest. It helps our microbiome. It's just part of our environment. But what's happening is with the increase of antibiotics and birth control and different things that we're putting into our body that disrupt the good and the bad bacteria in our microbiome, paired with the increase in carbohydrates and sugar in our North American diets, what we're seeing is this huge influx, this huge disruption in our microbiome. And we're seeing candida yeast flourish in this environment. One of the reasons for that is because an antibiotic wipes out all your good and bad bacteria, but it doesn't wipe out candida yeast. So candida yeast have this opportunity to flourish because there's no friendly bacteria keeping them managed. And then paired with a high carbohydrate, high sugar consumption that feeds candida candida yeast feed off of sugar. So feeding that population is just perpetuating the problem. So this is something I've dealt with personally, and it's one of the reasons I have a little bit of a deeper insight about it. And I want to tell you guys, I want to share my personal story with you just so you can get an idea of what it might look like. So I'm going to go back to, to like being born. (laughs) So a candida yeast overgrowth can be passed from mother to baby. Also, there's lots of ways at birth to disrupt a baby's microbiome, right? Whether the baby is born C-section, if the baby is breastfed or not, whether the mother was on antibiotics, all these things can come into play. What I know, I was adopted. So what I know about my birth is I was not breastfed. I was formula fed. I also know that I had ear tubes as an infant and I had colic. So I was given a number of antibiotics as a very young child. Now, when I was nine, I had tonsillitis for almost a full year straight before they removed my tonsils. So of course I was on antibiotics for almost a full year before the age of 10. Now, shortly after I had my tonsils removed, I started to notice 
gastrointestinal issues. Now, did I have gastrointestinal issues before that? Possibly. What I remember is shortly into my preteens, I was diagnosed with lactose intolerance, and then I was having intolerances to wheat and soy. And then into my teens, the doctors were like, maybe it's IBS, maybe there's irritable bowel syndrome here. They didn't know. I was experiencing after meals, I would have excessive bloat, it would be painful. If I ate certain foods, I'd be running to the bathroom shortly after the meal. I felt sick after eating almost anything. I was constantly bloated. I constantly had either constipation or diarrhea. There was all kinds of things happening to me as a teenager. And when you're a teenager, you don't really, you don't know what's normal. You're out there experimenting with things. My eating was not consistent. So there wasn't a lot being done. I wasn't putting in the effort to to fix the issue. Now, this went well into my 20s. In my 20s, I started getting really into, actually in my late teens, I started really getting into weight training and that lasted into my 20s. And I started being more aware of my eating. And in my mid-20s, when I got the urge to compete for the first time, this was a bit of a game changer for me. When I went into my first competition season, I actually started logging all of my food and started working on eliminating sugar and lowering my carbohydrates really purposefully. It was difficult. It was really difficult. I had had a sugar addiction for almost 15 years at that point. And when I say sugar addiction, I'm talking, I I remember when I was like, nine years old, 10 years old, taking my allowance to the corner store and spending all of it on candy and cookies and sugar and putting it in a box under my bed. And I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would go crazy. I would eat a bunch of stuff in that box till I felt sick. I remember when I was 12, walking to the corner store on the way to school and stocking up on candy and filling the back of my desk with sugar and eating it during class. Like it was an addiction. I'm actually surprised that there wasn't an intervention at some point with me and sugar, but I don't think it was something that was recognized at that point. When I was young, there wasn't this trend of obesity and eating disorders that there is in our world today with young people. But I recognized that it was a problem. I did. Even at that young age, I remember feeling like I don't have a lot of control over this. I don't have any control over this. I need this to function is how it felt. So back into my 20s and competing and being much more aware of it, because I was monitoring it, I was writing it down, I was keeping track of my sugar intake I had a lot more control over it. And the first year I competed, I hadn't felt that mentally clear and that good and that energetic. I don't know if I had ever felt that way in my whole life. And I think that's one of the reasons why I fell in love with competition so hard and the process of it was because those four to six months of prep felt so good because I had come off of sugar. My candida symptoms had lowered, had taken bay. Now, I think it was my third year of competition. I actually hired a coach and 
I was telling this coach, I always really struggle with the first month of comp prep. And she said, what do you mean? And I said, well, it's really hard for me to come off of carbohydrates. I need to do it really drastically. I need to almost go into like a keto-like state. And then I can slowly add them in to support my training after kind of that eight week mark. And she said, well, tell me about it. Like, what, what do you mean? Like, what are your symptoms? And I said, well, if I eat oatmeal first thing in the morning, I'll crave carbohydrates for the rest of the day. If I incorporate sugars post-workout, which I know support muscle building, I'll crave sugar for the rest of the day. If I have a higher carbohydrate day, I definitely will crave carbohydrates the next day. And she said to me, she goes, it sounds like there's a candida overgrowth. And I'd never heard the word candida at that point. It had never been mentioned to me by any of the doctors or any of the specialists I'd gone to see about my GI issues ever. So being diligent, already being in the fitness industry, I jumped on to the internet and I did a ton of research about candida. I did self quizzes. I did a self diagnosis test. I went and talked to my doctor about it. My doctor had no idea what I was talking about. I think the first doctor I ever mentioned candida to didn't even know what it was. He'd never heard of it before. And then I talked to the coach that had mentioned it to me in the first place. And she said, I highly suggest you go see a naturopath. So I found a naturopath and she tested me for candida. And yes, absolutely. I had a candida overgrowth and she treated me for that candida overgrowth over the course of a few months going into that prep. And then I went back and saw the naturopath in post prep and she worked with me for about six months. And the first couple times that I tried to do what the naturopath labeled a candida detox, it was really intense. It was really strict and it was really difficult, really hard to do by myself. Honestly, it's not something that I would highly recommend to anybody (laughs) unless you have someone supporting you and helping you with it like a naturopathic doctor. It's really hard to do on your own. There's such thing as a candida die-off week, which happens about a week after you cut sugar if you have a candida overgrowth and you go through basically a flu-like symptom where it feels like there is literally a sugar monster inside you that you are starving and every single cell in your body is craving sugar or something that will turn into sugar in your body. And you need the support. You need people helping you through that because you are sick and every muscle in your body aches and all you want is sugar. It's almost like watching an addict come off of their drug. It's intense. And this was my personal experience. It may not be the same for everybody. Again, I had had a candida overgrowth at this point for we're thinking about 20 years, maybe. So for me, it was really embedded. It was ingrained. But after going through kind of that six month period of really eliminating carbohydrates altogether, my brain felt so much more clear. My cognitive function improved immensely. My memory improved. I went, I remember being in one of my competition off seasons and I'd get up at 6am and start working with clients. And at 10am, I wouldn't remember what had happened that morning. I wouldn't even remember the clients that I had seen because the brain fog was so intense. I had to take really good notes so that I could 
keep track of what was going on in the morning. So coming out of the other side of that, I I work with a lot of clients now, a lot of women come to me now, and as a nutritional coach, I can't diagnose a candida overgrowth, but I can say, you know, it sounds to me like this might be something you're battling with. I suggest you go get it diagnosed by a natural path. It's definitely something that we can create a nutrition protocol or nutrition plan that will help you manage this or help you feel better if this is a problem. For most people coming off of sugar, after the first week or two, you will feel better, hands down, no matter what, whether you have a candida overgrowth or not. Sugar is something that is very short-term feel better. There is very little long-term feel good related to sugar. So let's talk a little bit about where I am now. Being someone that had a candida overgrowth for many years, it is something that isn't ever, I don't think, going to be gone completely. When I go through a period like I just did over Christmas and New Year's where I allowed myself to have the wine, candida love wine. (laughs) So especially with the wine I had over Christmas and all the sweets I had over Christmas and all the carbohydrates I had over Christmas, because of that influx of carbohydrates, I now have to kind of re-armor myself against candida. I feel like there is always going to be a slightly higher level of candida in my system. Maybe that thought doesn't serve me. Maybe I want to rethink that thought. Maybe it's just that I need to be more aware of it. I do feel like I'm a little bit more susceptible to sugar because of the experiences I've had throughout my life. And it is something I just need to stay more on top of. And that's not a terrible thing. It's planned right into my life now. So after Christmas and New Year's, January, I always do what I call no fads. Some of the people who follow me often know about this. No fads is no flour, alcohol, dairy, or sugar. It's my way of helping my gut reboot, clearing out any excessive candida in my system. Um, I can usually tell that my candida levels are up because they do manifest physically for me. I can get thrush on the tongue. I can get thrush on my scalp. I can get thrush in my belly button. Luckily, I've never had vaginal yeast infections, which I'm really lucky for, but that does happen for a lot of women who have candida overgrowth. My skin gets itchy uh, and definitely the sugar cravings go up and it does start to feel like it's a little bit out of my control. Luckily, actually over the holidays this year, I never felt like it was out of my control. And I feel like that was a huge win for me this year. This year, I felt very much like it was by choice and it was in control. And I had a plan coming into January. And I feel like I went into that plan really easily. And it actually has been a little bit easier this year than it has been in years past to kick the sugar out. I also am supporting it every January. I do a really light candida detox supplement support. You can find it at any health food store or natural food store. It's just the Renew Life Candida Detox. It's a 15-day supplement support. It's not something that would have worked for me 10 years ago when I was originally battling the candida overgrowth I had because it was so I don't want to use the word severe at that time, but it was. It was It was much worse then than it is now. If any of these symptoms or if this story, if my story sounds familiar to you, if you feel like you may be suffering with a candida overgrowth, if you've taken a lot of antibiotics at any point in your life, even if it was back, back in the day and you've struggled with sugar your entire life, 
if you've been on birth control for a long period of time, if you have a weakened immune system for any reason or immunocompromised, these are all, I'm going to use the word triggers. These are all things that can create a environment where candida can flourish. What I recommend you do is reach out to your, you can ask your doctor about it. If he doesn't seem very helpful or seems like he doesn't believe it's a thing, then find a naturopathic doctor that will help you out with it. Doctors are getting more on the ball with candida. It is becoming something that we're seeing in a lot of people. So they are having to look at it as possibly the cause of some of the symptoms that are coming out with mental health, some of the symptoms that are coming out with GI distress and IBS and obesity too. So talk to your doctor, talk to a naturopath. If you want to reach out to me, you can always email me coach with any of your questions. I'd be more than happy to answer them and set you up on your way to eliminating sugar. So let's talk about how to eliminate sugar. <laughs> 30 minutes into this podcast, I've told you my story and I've told you why we get addicted to sugar, both neurologically and physically. Let's talk about how to eliminate it. I'm going to give you two steps. That's it. Two steps. I know I usually give you three. This is simple. It's going to be hard, but we're going to simplify. First step. You know what this is, you guys. It's the A, right? First step in anything. Create awareness. Awareness. That's the big ticket word here. You need to track your sugar intake. You need to figure out how much sugar you're having on a daily basis now. So don't change your diet, just track all your macros. I do all of them, but specifically your sugar is what you're interested in here. Even your carbohydrate intake is important to know as well, because there are going to be foods like bread and pastas, especially foods with yeast in them. So if you're craving like baked goods or breads that rise, that's a sign of candida as well. So track what you're doing and then start to cut it back. And you don't have to go extreme. The way that I originally did mine was extreme and it was really difficult. I failed multiple times before I had success with it. So what I tend to do with clients now is I wean them off slower or we do it in a more drastic way, similar to how I set up a protocol where we set up an intermittent fasting protocol and we watch for the sugar monster. And usually after two or three days, he'll start to get hungry. (laughs) The candida, when they start to starve, they let you know and you'll feel it. You'll feel that influx of sugar cravings come about. And I do have ways that I work with clients on how to get through those and how to kind of trick the sugar monster inside you. But tracking your intake, slowly bringing it down. I suggest to my clients, they keep their sugar intake between 30 grams and 50 grams. So for a healthy, regular human being with no sugar addiction, 50 grams is good. For an athlete who's doing a lot of exercise, for my competition prep athletes, we take their sugar intake as high as 60 to 100 grams a day. For somebody who's kicking a sugar addiction or kicking candida, I highly recommend you keep your sugar intake under 30 grams a day. It's difficult to do that. That's like one and a half pieces of fruit, you guys. It's not a lot of sugar at all, but that's all you need. Literally, that is what your body needs. Our bodies are designed to be satisfied with a small handful of berries as our sugar intake for the day. You do not need more than that. Okay, step two, 
have a game plan for when cravings come up. All right. So know that when you're craving, it's either your body is looking for that hit of dopamine and those extra endorphins and that your body, for some reason, your brain thinks that you don't feel good or you're in discomfort of some kind. So have a plan to create endorphins that isn't junk food related. So you might just need a nice high protein, healthy meal. You might want to get go for a walk, get some exercise in, listen to some of your favorite music, do some artwork, dance, laugh, go to a spa, have a massage, aromatherapy can do wonders, volunteer work. If you're bored like me, <laughs> you got to get busy. Boredom is not a comfortable emotion. So all those things can have an endorphin releasing response. Okay. But even just knowing that that's what your brain is looking for sometimes is enough. Sometimes you can sit there with your craving and think, all right, what am I feeling? Feeling bored. All right. That's all right. I'm watching TV. I'm feeling bored. My brain gets bored when I watch TV. So my brain's like, let's have some food. Let's have some junk food. So by me knowing that this is what's happening in my brain, it allows me to just sit with it. I'm like, okay, my brain's feeling bored. It's not comfortable with that, but it's all right. I don't need to do anything more, right? I could, I could find something else to do that decreases the boredom, or I can choose to just sit with the boredom and not react to it, not give in, not do the instant gratification that my brain wants to reduce the boredom. This helps my threshold for boredom, my threshold for discomfort increase, right? It helps make me stronger to those moments of weakness. Now, if it is more physical for you, if you're feeling a physical, more than just a desire, but you're feeling like a physical need for sugar, I highly recommend that you keep something around that isn't really tempting for you, not something you love. I keep frozen berries in the freezer at all times. I keep honey in my house because it's not a go-to for me. Some of my clients though have been able to put honey on absolutely anything or eat it with a spoon when they have a candida craving. So for some people, honey may not be an acceptable choice. And I make sure that you know, if I do have a craving come up, I can have like a bowl of raspberries with a little bit of stevia on top and I can be satiated for it. I include the sugar count in my day and I can watch how my body reacts to those higher sugar counts. A bowl of raspberries is not something that I'd put into a regular protocol for myself, but it is something that I'll give myself access to if I'm having a sugar craving that feels out of control. Now, if you do let that sugar monster take over and have a sugar binge. And that's usually what it looks like is a full on sugar binge. It usually looks like 100 to 500 grams of sugar in one sitting. It takes an an insatiable amount of sugar to feed, to satisfy that sugar monster. If you do lose that control and give in to that sugar monster, I want you to go back and listen to episode 19 on what to do when you fall off. Don't blame yourself. The worst thing you can do is feel guilty and shameful about it because that's going to lead to more uncomfortable feelings that your brain wants 
to feel better from. You now have a better understanding and a better awareness of what's going on in your body. And you can go, damn it, that sugar monster, he won that one, right? When I was fighting Candida, I liked the visualization in my head of it was me against the yeast. It was almost like this little army. I like everything in visual. (laughs) So I think of like little cartoon yeasties. In my head, they look like little roly-poly bugs marching around inside my body trying to take over. And I was like, no, no, you are not in charge. And I waged a war and it wasn't a war against my body. It was a me and my body against yeast, which is a fungal infection. They're fungus. So it was me and my body against this fungus that was like trying to take over my body. And when I thought of it that way, it helped me have more diligence. It empowered me to have more discipline and more confidence in the choices that I was making. Now, I just want to mention that there is supplementation that can definitely help with kicking sugar. I always recommend that you try food first. See what you can do on your own. And if you're really struggling to do it on your own, then supplementation can definitely help. I'm a big fan of freeform amino acid therapy. The amino acids that I use to support kicking sugar are L-glutamine, which helps level out blood sugar. You can take it between meals to keep you from craving. Uh, It also helps to heal your stomach and helps with GI distress. And phenylalanine, I think I'm saying that right. Phenylalanine, it helps release endorphins. It's a amino acid, free-form amino acid that has an endorphin stimulating response. So if you're noticing that you're feeling a little down and you're craving sugar, you can take phenylalanine and it will help with it as well. I found out about freeform amino acid therapy from the books, The Diet Cure and The Mood Cure by Julia Ross. They're fantastic books that are great for self-coaching. They come with a very clear guide of how you can self-dose and what you need and why. And the beautiful thing about freeform amino acid is they're just amino acids. They're just the breakdowns of proteins. So you're not putting anything chemical or anything unnatural in your body or anything that you'll get addicted to, right? I highly, highly recommend the diet cure for anyone who feels like they may have a sugar addiction or anyone who feels like they may have a candida sugar monster living inside them. There's a great chapter on candida in the diet cure. You can find that book on Amazon. No, I'm not not being paid to push it. All right, my friends, that is what I have for you today on sugar. I hope that sugar is just one of those things that you have every once in a while. But if you feel like your sweet tooth is an issue, if you feel like you are not in control of it, start by creating more awareness and start tracking your food intake most importantly, your sugar and carbohydrate intake. And I would add protein to that too, because protein is going to help stabilize your blood sugar as well. Make sure you're getting that minimum 100 grams of protein every damn day. So important for eliminating and kicking sugar addiction. All right, my friends, that is episode number 20. And that wraps up our nutrition segment. We're going to be moving into muscle development 
the third tier in the training trifecta tripod, (laughs) Uh, episodes one through 10. Again, we're on mind mastery mindset. Episodes 11 through 20, we're on nutrition. And episodes 21 through 30 are going to be on muscle development, y'all. So join me next week. I'll see you then. Bye for now. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, I ask you to leave a comment. Tell me what you liked about it. Share the podcast with a friend and come back next Wednesday for a brand new episode. I'll see you then.